Hello, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. My name is Casey Ruff from Boundless Body LLC, and I am the host of Boundless Body Radio. Before October of 2020, I was not a podcaster. Now, I have recorded hundreds of episodes featuring incredible guests, created tons of helpful content, and have consistently generated thousands of downloads every month since I began. I'm just a regular dude trying to share a message, and now I'm ready to show you my process, my successes and failures, and everything I've learned along the way to help you start your own podcast. Together, we'll explore the entire process of having a podcasting idea and take it all the way to publishing your first episode and explore all the steps in between. Then, I'll give you all the tools that you will need so you can record as many episodes that you want to release after that. Podcasting is one of the most enriching skills I've ever added to my life, and I've learned a ton by talking with some of my heroes and sharing it with anyone who wants to join us on our journey. So, sit back, grab a notebook, take some notes, and welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Hello, hello. This is Casey Ruff, and welcome to episode four of season two. Today, we are going to be speaking with Stephen Dimmitt. Stephen is the host of the Nugget Climbing Podcast. He was hosted on our primary podcast, so uh, be sure to go and check out that episode. It was so good. His amazing story about rock climbing and podcasting, living in a van, chasing his dreams. It's a really cool story, and that's back on episode 136 of Boundless Body Radio. Stephen, welcome to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. Thank you, Casey. Good to be back here with you. Absolutely. Same host, different podcast. Yeah, totally. <laughs> totally. Not a podcast I ever thought I would do or wanted to do. It just kind of came to me one day and had it all planned out within about 30 seconds. So I figure it must be, must be a calling. <laughs> oh, that's awesome. I actually, I love, I wonder if you feel this way. I actually love talking about this topic. It, so I'm looking forward to this. I think this will be really fun. Absolutely. I can, I can geek out geek out about this stuff all day. Great. So. Great. That's why you were one of the very first people I reached out to just your, your purity <laughs> and, you know, reasons for doing your podcast. I just think are so cool. And I think you'd be an amazing guest. Um, before we deep dive into that, I asked you on boundless body when we had our episode, where in the world were you and said it was a totally fair question. And I still think it's a totally fair question. Where in the world are you right now? <laughs> it still is a fair question. Um, I live on the road full time for people that haven't listened to that episode. I live in a, a 2014 ProMaster van. Uh, my van is named Poe after the movie uh, Kung Fu Panda. Nice. <laughs> That's a new development. That name finally, finally connected for me. It's always hard to name a vehicle, you know, but when you find the right name, it's just like serendipity. It just fits. Same um, with my bikes, but I have to wait. Your bikes. Yeah. I have to wait to get a name for the bikes, but when they come, it's great. It has to feel right. It has to feel right. <laughs> but yeah, to answer you, I am in Joe's Valley, Utah, and uh, that's a, a really amazing bouldering area in Utah in the United States. And I'm staying with a friend of mine at an Airbnb. Airbnb right now. So I'm actually sitting inside a house for once. Nice. Good for um, you. Take taking showers regularly. It's 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 novel. <laughs> novel <awesome>. experience. <laughs> Good for you. Enjoy it while you have it. Uh where is Joe's Valley? Is that central Utah? Uh it's about two two to three hours south, slightly west of Salt Lake City. Gotcha. Gotcha. Well, I could have just loaded up my stuff and we could have done this in person. <laughs> Two-hour drive. It's not bad. <laughs> yeah, dang. Yeah. Are you in Salt Lake? I yeah, forget. Yep. Just outside of Salt Lake. Okay. Yep. Yeah. Beautiful area. It's awesome. 
Oh man. So we are going to be talking about podcasting and, um, kind of your, you know, the, the equipment that you use and the software you use and all your process and everything in between. But before we dive into the brass tacks of things, I really want to hammer the why of, of podcasting is something I think is really important that a lot of podcasters don't necessarily consider. And I have to say like you of all people have one of the purest whys ever. Why do you have the podcast that you have? Mm. Thank you for saying that. Um, for me, it just goes back to, I'm really scratching my own itch with the podcast. And again, for people that haven't heard our other conversation, I was an engineer. I was stuck in a cubicle 40 hours a week for several years working in aerospace back in Oregon, where I lived at the time. And I listened to podcasts incessantly. I learned so much from them, um, connecting with these amazing mentors that I got to listen to in these conversations on the Tim Ferriss show and on Joe Rogan and Armchair Expert, some of my favorite podcasts. They really started to impact me. And I just really wanted to... um, I could envision a podcast in the context of climbing that provided that same sort of mentorship for myself and for other people listening. And I just wanted to, there was a podcast that I wanted to listen to that didn't exist. And it finally clicked that I could, I could make it. And there was no reason why I shouldn't make it that no one else was going to. So, you know, why not try? And that's been my philosophy from the start. And a lot of people are listening now and I'm always kind of balancing, you know, what I think will, will be valuable in these conversations for my listeners, but at the heart of every conversation that I have at the heart of every question that I ask my guests, it's really, it's really my personal interest, um, that I'm, that I'm scratching, you know, it's that personal itch that I'm trying to scratch with this. And it just so happens that a lot of people are resonating with my curiosity and, and they have the same questions. And so it's amazing. It's serving a lot more people than I had ever imagined that it would. Um, but it's so it it's the most fun thing I've ever done because every week I get to sit down with someone who I genuinely am fascinated by, really want to talk to, and I just get to ask them all my m- most burning questions about them and their life and about their rock climbing. And I'm just trying to extract everything I possibly can um, to learn from them for, for myself. Um, so yeah, it, it's still just as fun as ever. I love wow. doing it. So if you didn't have a single listener beside yourself, would you continue podcasting? I would. <laughs> I would. Yeah. I think it'd be a little harder to get some of these guests that I've had on. You know, it definitely it definitely helps to have the credibility. Um, I think that's something that that's a main message that I like to share for people is when you build something like this, it's like when when you connect with this idea that really resonates with you and it's you leaning into um um, something authentic that you're excited about and that connects with other people. It's, it, it can really feel like pushing a giant snowball down a hill and it's just growing and growing. And, you know, nowadays I have a lot of guests reaching out to people, or I'm sorry, listeners reaching out to guests that they want to have on the show and saying like, why haven't you been on the nugget yet? And I tell you what, that goes a really long way. Um, as far as creating credibility and, and allowing you to grow your network and connect with some of these people that feel intimidating or unreachable. So, wow. I, I would still do it, but um, it's amazing. It's amazing, and it makes a huge difference to have so much support from listeners. Yeah, mm, 
Wow. I, that was the interesting thing that was kind of unfolding as we were doing our interview. I felt like I had done quite a bit of research on you and what your philosophy was and, you know, kind of how you were managing things. And, you know, for a lot of people, ourselves included, like this is kind of the side thing that we do. I can only really do this because I have clients that I train normally in the mornings. And then in the afternoons, I can set up afternoons and talk with whoever I want and record it and post it. But it, it's it's just so different when, when that's kind of the secondary thing. And I, I love it, but I, I, that's not my bread and butter. That's not where I'm making any money. And I just assumed that the podcast was like, same for you, kind of side hustle. You're doing your engineering gig. Maybe it's part-time. Maybe you're working on the road. And then you're also doing the podcast. But for you, it was just pure, this is what I want to do. And I'm just going to do it. And, and and it's done. And you're right. It's like growing and, and building listeners. Like that's, I don't know. That's just so cool to me. Yeah. Thank you. I mean, I, I made that choice to, I basically just took a sub. I, I basically just decided to save up for a sabbatical. I mean, that was my approach with it. I still had my engineering job. I saved up a lot of money. Um, I bought a van. I had always dreamed of doing that on its own anyway. I, I had dreamed of, you know, I, I told myself, I think when I was in my early 20s, that by the time I turned 30 years old, I would move into a van and travel for a year and rock climb full time. Um, that's every climber's daydream, right? And it finally, the timing finally felt right when I had this idea for this podcast and this other thing that I wanted to do because you can't climb every day. You need rest days and and living on the road and climbing can actually be it can actually feel pretty empty if you don't have something else to balance that with, at least for me. And so it felt really right to have some creative work to pour myself into um, something that felt a little bit more giving, a little bit more meaningful, a little bit less self-focused than just rock climbing. So I had, I had enough money to commit to it for a year and I honestly had no idea if it would work. I just figured it was after one of my early conversations that I had with one of my heroes. I just remember leaving that conversation. Um, it was Alan Watts for people that have listened to the podcast episode four. And I went out to lunch with him. We, we hadn't recorded anything yet. And I just remember leaving that conversation, that lunch with him and just thinking, if no one listens to this, this is going to be the most fun I've ever had. So it was really easy to get excited about it and to just treat it like my full-time job. And I wanted to take it really seriously, but I didn't need it to work. You know, I had enough money saved up uh, to be on the road for a year. And I thought maybe I'd end up going back to engineering after that, where I was starting to kind of, you know, traveling. I would ask people questions like, how are you making this lifestyle work? And I got kind of interested in um, rope access work because I know a lot of climbers that do that seasonally and they can really focus, you know, part of their year on making money and then sustain that lifestyle the rest of the year. So I definitely, I, I feel really lucky that it all worked out. I, I definitely did not expect it to. Mm. I guess the, the, the last thing I would add to that is I think it really does make a big difference, um, in the product, in the amount of momentum that you can build if you do give it your full attention, because there's a lot of good podcasts out there. And a lot of people do what you're doing and, you know, they, they have to sustain their or, or maintain their normal job and they're doing the podcast on the side. I think it's hard. It's hard to do both. Um, it's hard to put enough energy into both for the podcast to get over that 
tipping point, you know, where it starts to to take off and build that momentum on its own. So um, I think that's been a huge advantage for me that I, that I gave myself the space and the time to really pour everything into it. I love that. That's awesome. <laughs> so pure. Um, so tell us, tell us again, the name of your podcast and why did you choose the format that you chose? Yeah, it's called the Nugget Climbing Podcast. You can find it everywhere that podcasts are found. Just type in the, the nugget and you'll find it. I just, I, di- I didn't have to think that hard about it. I just always listen to long form interviews. I always have found the uncut, raw, conversational style podcast to be the most engaging and fascinating. Um, I really also enjoy the more radio journalism, more produced episodes from. You know, I, I've listened to Death, Sex, and Money, and Radiolab, and things along those lines. There's a couple of climbing podcasts that kind of do that too. They're more journalism pieces. Maybe there's um, snippets of interviews kind of sprinkled in, but they're telling a, a more crafted story. And I think that's cool, but it's just not what I found myself listening to all day. So I I really loved listening to the long form interviews, and that was just kind of always what I was gonna do. I didn't really sit down and you know pick that. It just was the thing that, that I envisioned because it was what I was drawn to as a listener. Mm. What, what is something that in initially you maybe felt like was really kind of important that over time you realized wasn't as important and as you thought? Oh, <laughs> uh, that's a really good question. I, because I'm an engineer, I'm in, I'm incredibly detail oriented. Um, I guess I, sh- I should start with that. And that is a double-edged sword. It served me in a lot of ways. Um, it's a huge asset for me, but it can also cut the other way and be really debilitating. And at, early on, I was very much a perfectionist with editing. I would spend hours and hours going through my episodes minute by minute and nitpicking them and cutting out all the filler words and trying to tighten up my conversations. And... I've just relaxed a lot as far as that goes. And I've, I've realized that, you know, there is some line between the conversation being distracting because of pauses or because of awkward moments or things like that. Like you do want to get rid of that stuff if you can, but there's also something so human about, you know, getting to know someone's personality and their, their vocal tics and getting, you know, being able to hear that they're nervous and then they loosen up over the course of the interview. Like that stuff's actually really cool. And that's one of my favorite things about long form interviews is feeling like you're sitting there with the person. So I've relaxed a lot as far as the editing and I spend a lot less time scrutinizing the content and the episodes. Um, just a, a less fine resolution, I guess, nowadays. And I'm I'm more okay with just letting things flow a little bit more. Mm. Yeah. I, you know, the pause that you sometimes get while the guest is thinking and they, they don't say, um, um, so it just becomes this like awkward three or four or five second kind of silence. It, it feels like it's longer than it truly is, but it it's really, it's like you said, it's kind of that human element of like the person's just considering what you asked and they're trying to form a really good response. And that's not necessarily something to be attacked in the editing process. You can kind of leave that in. And, and I, yeah, it, that's something I used to edit all the time and I, I rarely do now. Mm. Right. Same. Mm. Yeah. Same. Interesting. What are you using to actually do editing? Uh, I use logic pro X. So I have a MacBook pro and I, 
I mean, yeah. So I I upgraded to Logic Pro X probably six months ago. And I really love using that. But I will say, talking about um, equipment, talking about software, things like that for people, there's, you know, the question to ask yourself is what is good enough? And for people listening, I used GarageBand, which is completely free with a MacBook or a MacBook Pro. I used GarageBand for my first 40 plus episodes. And I would guess that most people wouldn't be able to hear the difference between my current episodes and, and my older ones. I think the sound quality has improved slightly. And there's a lot of tricks that I use in Logic that I really appreciate because it gives me a little bit more latitude. Like I don't have to be in the perfect recording space. Um, I can take care of some of that stuff in post, get rid of background noises and echoes and things like that. Um, but you don't have to have anything fancy. So yeah, I think GarageBand was totally fine. Um, I upgraded to Logic. I also have a background in music production and audio mm. engineering stuff from my music major. So I've started to do some podcast coaching now and had some consultations with people. And I've realized that there's an absolutely no right or wrong way. And I think the most important thing is being honest with yourself and figuring out like what sounds fun to you, you know, where's the line? What sounds like work? What sounds like a chore? And for me, the audio production side, I really enjoy and I totally geek out about it. And I think it's really fun. And if that's not you, there's amazing resources out there nowadays. You know, these one-stop softwares um, that, that kind of package the episodes for you. And I think the key thing is just make sure that it sounds good enough that the audio quality is not distracting to the listener. And if you accomplish that, which I think is pretty easy to do, then it's all about content. The content is so much more important than the sound quality. And chasing those few extra percentage points of sound quality is totally fine if you feel excited about that. But if it sounds like, oh my God, that's what a nightmare that sounds like my worst, uh, you know, that that's not something I want to do, then just find a way to not do it. <laughs> uh, yeah, that's great. That's great advice. Yeah. I actually didn't know that about you. I knew you were into music, but I didn't know you had any editing background. Um, what are what are some of the, when you're doing coaching with people, what are some of the really like basic things that people should know when they're first getting started? Mm. That's That's a really good question. I think, I mean, something that I talk about a lot with people because I feel like it's been the key part of um, of my co- podcast being as successful as it's been, and for as you know being as sustainable as it's been, is just to create the show that you want to listen to and try to find. I mean, you used the word pure earlier. I've I've I'll say it this way: I've had a couple conversations with people who are really struggling. They're like, I don't quite know what I want to do with this thing, and. I, I, I would honestly say, I mean, this might be, um, this might feel negative for some people, but if you don't really want to make a specific thing, then I wouldn't do it. You know, I, I think you can keep looking, you can keep thinking about it until you find that idea that feels really pure to you or that really resonates deeply with you. But you, in my experience, you have to want to make the show that you're making. And if you want to make it for its own sake, it's going to be so much better. Uh, so much more sustainable, so much easier to show up week after week and put out episodes than if you're trying to come up with an idea that you think people will like. Mm. 
Yeah, we could not agree more. We actively encourage people to quit early if it doesn't pan out to be something that you really truly enjoy. Mm. Somebody that doesn't have, you know, the the why that you have, they don't have that same north star that's going to guide them when the going gets tough. Like sometimes it's not that easy to keep inviting people. Sometimes it's not that easy to do the editing and, you know, all these things are are skills that take time to learn and and build and grow and <laughs> We couldn't agree more. Like, if you don't have a good reason or a good idea, it's probably just not quite ready. It's not quite your thing. Or if you're, you know, you do this and you find that you've done five episodes and you're so concerned with the downloads, you know, or, or monetizing or something, like, uh, I don't, I don't know that this is right for you, really. Would you mm. agree? Yeah, I think so. And I, that, that that actually reminds me of another thing that I find myself talking about often, which is, um, I can't remember who shared this quote with me, but basically make sure that the first time you do something isn't the first time you do something, Hmm. you know? So go through the whole entire process of the podcast, basically do a bunch of practice episodes, you know, record some episodes with your friends, or if you're doing a solo podcast, just make a couple practice episodes that you do not at all intend to publish and see if you like it. You, you will learn so much from going through that process. Um, your first episodes will be better than they would otherwise have been because you've already done it before. And it gives you a chance to really feel things out. Like, is this fun? Um, What parts of it do I need to work on? What parts of it do I want to do more of? And you might find through doing that, that your entire concept for the podcast you wanted to make isn't quite right. You know, like for me, I thought a lot about bonus content, um, in the first year of my podcast, I was thinking about Patreon and how to grow that and how to create perks that were more appealing for people. And I had a lot of brainstorming around creating bonus content. And for a while, I thought I wanted to do these solo episodes that were like me riffing on a performance climbing topic, like some lesson that I've learned and you know something that I'm thinking about or things along those lines. And I kept stalling. I kept like putting it off and putting it off and and putting it off. And finally, I realized it it clicked one day, like, I don't actually want to do that. I find solo episodes to be really hard. They're my least favorite. I I would way rather have a conversation with someone or answer questions from people. And I was finding myself answering a lot of people's questions on email. And so that pivoted to Q&A episodes. And those are now part of my Patreon bonus content thing where, where patrons can submit questions. Um, but yeah, you don't know that sort of thing unless you actually try to make the thing, you know, <laughs> and then you have so much clarity with that 2020 hindsight. Mm, well said. I, I really want to hit this because I don't think it's something we've previously talked about when, when looking for options to monetize and, you know, maybe just, just take, you know, some of the cost, out of it or maybe pay for the whole thing or, or make some money to do it. It just kind of depends on, you know, your listenership and what people will pay for. We haven't really talked that much about Patreon. Can you tell us a little bit about how that works and how that's been, you know, successful or not successful for you? Sure. Yeah. Patreon is um, a monthly donation platform. So it's a, it's a website that I signed up for as a creator and then uh, patrons can sign up, listeners can sign up as donors and they're basically pledging me a monthly donation to support my work. And it's not just for podcasters. A lot of musicians use this nowadays if they're you know, self-publishing records and things like that. It just gives you a little bit more 
autonomy and creative freedom, you know, versus if you're a musician, for instance, being under a, a record label and having to do what they want you to do. Um, but for podcasting, yeah, I, I have, um, I think 450 listeners now that have become patrons and support me on a monthly basis. And you can create your own tiered donation levels. So I have like my $5 per month tier as my entry level. And then I have some higher ones. And you also decide what perks you want to offer at those different tier levels. So for me, the biggest one, like my bread and butter is I, I have these weekly episodes that are free that are the normal podcast with different guests every week. And then at least once or twice a month, I put out a bonus episode that's only for patrons where I have a guest, an older guest back on the show and we do a follow-up conversation and we talk about their recent climbing, maybe some big climb that they achieved that we had talked about in our first conversation or some element of you know, their training or their performance or their mental game or something that's a little bit more in the weeds than we would normally go on the show. And I put out like a free teaser that gives people a, an idea of what to expect from that episode. And then you have to sign up to get the full thing. Um, so yeah, that's just one example. There's a lot of different ways to do it, but it's, it's worked really well for me. I, th I think there are a few lessons I've learned that I would share for people that are considering that. I mean, a lot of people think of it as just a way for their listeners to donate to them. And I've found that while it's kind of funny. Like a lot of people just want to support the regular show and I'll get emails from them saying like, Hey, you know, don't feel stressed about having to put out all this bonus stuff. We just want to support you. But ironically, it was inevitably some bonus conversation that they wanted to listen to that got them to sign up. It got them over that hump of, you know, it's not even the $5 a month. It's more like the inconvenience of having one more subscription and, and more emails in their inbox. Right. Mm. Um, so I do think it really helps to brainstorm and to have something that you're selling and to create more value for your listeners and have that be an exchange that you feel really good about. So you can promote it, you can sell it and feel good about saying, Hey, if you give me $5 per month, you're getting even more value from me than the the normal show. I'm so glad you used that word. I was just going to bring that up. The value that you are providing, it, it, it seems greater than the the money that people are spending. Is that that's the case, right? I mean, your Patreon seems yeah. like it's been very, very successful. Thanks. Yeah, it feels that way, and um, of course, it feels really uncomfortable at first. It feels really uncomfortable to ask for money. Uh, you kind of feel like a beggar a little bit because everyone expects to get podcasts for free and basically everything on the internet for free these days. But when you have enough people tell you how much they appreciate what you do, you know, when people talk to you on Instagram or in emails and, or you meet them in person at the cliff, like I meet a lot of people out climbing these days and they'll just tell me how much they've taken away from the show and how much it's helped them it gets easier and easier to, I guess over time you internalize that and you realize like, wow, this really is value for people and I'm selling something. I'm not asking for pity. You know, I'm not asking, I'm not a beggar asking for loose change. Um, another thing that really helped actually was a little while ago, I, I had a feature in climbing magazine. They featured me in the podcast 
And I can't remember how I stumbled into it, but I saw on their website that they were trying to hire a podcast producer for some podcast that they wanted to make either for climbing or for outdoor magazine. They're, they're connected. And they were going to pay that person $50,000 a year. And I read the, um, I read the job description, I guess, and just realized like, wow, that's, you know, that's roughly a third of the things that I do for my own podcast every week, you know, and that really helped me see that, okay, as a society, we do actually put some value on this and it's okay for me to, to ask for support for this work that I'm doing, even though I absolutely love it and would do it anyway, I'm mm. still working really hard. I'm still creating value and it's okay to ask for a livelihood in exchange for that. Yeah. That's amazing. So how are you doing the asking? Is it something that's in your outro or just in the show notes? Um, how, how are you actually getting people to do that? Yeah. So I, I currently don't have ads on my podcast and I actually, uh, we can talk about that. I actually do plan to have ads. Um, but because I don't, I have that extra space and I can ask for support from people. So I do that in the intro, sometimes in the outro. Um, I actually don't do it in every episode. And that's really just because I don't like doing it. It takes more time. It takes more work. And what I've found really works well is, like I said, I put out these free teasers of my bonus conversations. So that exists as this kind of set aside, perfectly positioned sales pitch. You know, I can say, here's what you're about to listen to. This is a, a sneak peek at this bonus conversation. Here's how to get access to the full thing. And if you like what you're listening to, you can go finish the episode right now. You know, it's, it's easy. It just takes a few minutes to sign up. Here's, here's the link. Um, so I've done it that way. I kind of have these teasers come out that are these little sales pitches for Patreon. And that way, people that already have signed up can just skip those. And they're not, you know, I'm not trying to sell them on something that they've already invested in, which feels good as well. That's really smart. That's a really brilliant way to do that in a way that's not like super annoying. I, I, we've talked about this before too, but like, I, I get it that people, you know, they want to make money on their podcast and cover their costs and things like that, but they'll advertise things that are like completely unrelated to their show mm. stuck, you know, three or four times in the middle of their show. And it's so distracting. I, I just, I, I can't really get into doing it that way, but what you're describing seems a lot more organic and natural. And again, you're providing such a high amount of value. It's, it's a, it's a low cost thing to jump into. And, you know, if just like that snowball you talked about, if you let it build over time, then, you know, you might be looking at getting all your costs covered. That's amazing. Totally. Yeah. I, I have a couple of thoughts. Um, one thing that that reminds me of that I want to share is that, um, basically all of the decisions I've made with my show, like how I structure it, how I do the intros, uh, the lack of ads, how I do the Patreon, all of that stuff. It's all, all those decisions come from me trying to avoid the things that annoy me in other podcasts. Because mm. I feel the same way. Like whenever you're in a really good flow and it's a great conversation, and then they interrupt the middle of the episode to share an ad for something that you don't want to buy, like I hate that. It, it totally annoys me. And even though you can skip 15 seconds ahead, you know, press that four times, whatever it still takes away from the flow. And I never wanted to do that. So I just drew that line in the sand for myself. Uh, you know, even if I have ads, I'm never going to do an ad read in the middle of the conversation. I'll do it before, I'll do it after, but never in the middle. That's just my own personal feeling because it, it annoys me 
in other podcasts when they do that. And then along that same line of thinking, I think a lot about who I would want to advertise for on the show. And I would want to make sure that those brands or products align with my values. Um, they're things that I think people would actually be excited to hear about, you know, because there are, there are podcasts that I listen to where the ads add value. I'm like, Oh, I actually want to go buy that. Or I want to check that out. Or it's just entertaining because they, they do a good job and they're funny in their ad read, you know, things along those lines. Um, and then the other thought I had, this is kind of unrelated, but, you know, going back to this idea of creating value in the snowball thing, like you just said, you're totally right. And that's something I hadn't really thought about. But now that I've been doing my Patreon for about a year and doing these follow-ups for about a year, I have two dozen follow-ups that people get access to instantly if they sign up. So, Mm. you know, that's hours and hours of content that have just grown over time and it becomes a much easier sell, you know, And, and that's something I hadn't thought about. I thought I was selling one episode at a time, but you're, you're not, you're really selling this gigantic library and, um, it's kind of an investment, you know, and it grows over time. And these days, $5, a month for access to, you know, two dozen episodes is like kind of a no brainer. So that's a really um, powerful thing that I hadn't thought about at the start. Yeah, that's a really great point. It's like, if you sign up for Netflix today, all of a sudden, you've got six seasons of Shit's Creek to go binge. like a <laughs> booyah. It's great. Exactly. Exactly. Uh, that's best, awesome. Best $10 you ever spent. Right? Totally. Totally. They didn't have to wait for, you know, subsequent seasons like the rest of us schmucks did. Um, yeah, those are all really good points. And I love that you were so thoughtful about that. And and you're right. Like once you create an episode, it's it's been created and it lives somewhere. And I'm always stunned when people go back and like download an episode, you know, it could be your episode. We did that months ago. But, you know, somebody signs up for the podcast today, they've never heard it. Then they go back and and you know, find it. And it's so cool to, to be able to give that as a gift that just kind of keeps on, keeps on giving, you know? Yeah, it it really is. And, you know, when you have a long form conversation with someone, um, a lot of them feel really evergreen, you know, even if I'm talking about a specific phase in my life, or if I'm talking to one of my heroes about a specific climb that they're working on, and then they succeed on it later, it's still fascinating if you're a geeky climber like me. It's still fascinating to go back and to hear them thinking about that stage of the process. So I find that, you know, episodes almost don't really age out. Like I think my first episode with my friend Lizzie is still, it's still just a really interesting conversation for people that haven't heard it yet. Mm-hmm. And um, yeah, you, you really do create you, this investment, like you're, you're creating lasting and growing value over time. I love that. Very well said. Um, when you look at your process, this could be hardware or software. What things do you consider like the tip top, like most essential things that you use? Again, it could be equipment or it could be uh, software or anything in between. Mm. That's a really good question. It's tough for me to say that because of, you know, we already talked about this. Like, I, I don't think there's a best way. I think there's a way that I've found works really well for me. Um, so for me, that answer would be Logic Pro because regardless of what um, hardware I'm using, regardless of where I'm recording an episode, I can, I've learned to do so much in post-production that I can make up for a lot of that. Having said all that, for someone else, 
the answer might be completely different because they're not as excited about being a geeky audio producer, you know? Um, so I'll throw out a few other things. I use the Zoom H6 Handy Recorder for all of my interviews. I have an I have two SM58 microphones and you know a few mic cords, and I do all my in-person episodes that way. It's incredibly portable. My entire setup fits in a little duffel bag that I got at a, at a used gear shop. <laughs> and and uh, for you know for remote recordings, I still record my own audio with my SM58 straight into the Zoom 6, or I'm sorry, into the um, Zoom H6. So my audio is always the same. That was something that I felt was important to me. I, I really was bothered or just annoyed or confused when I would listen to a podcast and the person's intro, the host, sounded you know, sounded really good and the audio quality was good. And then you would listen to their conversation and they're recording over Zoom with a different microphone and it doesn't sound as good. I was always confused. Like why, why are they doing it that way? You can, you can have the exact same audio for, um, for your track at least, you know, all the time. So I do that. And then I have my MacBook, you know, I have an auxiliary cable that goes from my MacBook into the zoom H six. And then I'm listening to the conversation with headphones from the zoom H six. So that's my setup. The whole thing costs $600. Um, I only had to pay for that once and then, you know, it's, it's still, everything's working great. So that was, I'm so happy I made that investment. You know, Logic Pro is like $200 and it's not a subscription. You just pay for that once and then you're set up. Um, So that personally for me has been a really good investment. And then I'm actually really glad I bought this too. This was a Tim Ferriss recommendation, but I'm talking to you right now on an Audio Technica ATR2100 USB microphone. And I don't use it for my own for my own episodes. Um, like I said, I use the the SM58 for everything. But for Zoom calls like this and for being featured on other podcasts, I love this microphone. It's super simple. I just have it going straight into my MacBook. I'm talking to you on the computer. It's you know, $80. Pretty simple. Wow. And it sounds sounds pretty darn good. So Oh, the quality of the sound that's coming in is phenomenal. I can <laughs> tell you on my end, like you, you always sound super crisp and clean and, and no difference there. That's awesome. We'll tag all of those things in the show notes. Uh, it's so cool that you're able to do this with such a simple setup that, that doesn't need to break the bank. Yeah, it's, yeah, it's, I mean, it's the best. Like I can walk into someone's house if I'm meeting someone and they say like, oh, just come over and we'll record it on my living room table. My kids are gone, whatever. You know, I just I just pick up a duffel bag and it's super portable. I don't even have to have my laptop because everything records locally onto an SD card. Mm. Um, so I can just have a little notebook with some notes, or I'll have my laptop sitting there with you know you know my um, my interview notes for them or or things like that. But yeah, I really I really am happy with the setup. I don't think I plan to change anything anytime soon. <laughs> and then I'll I'll share a quick story for people as far as the audio production goes. A few weeks ago, I was in Boulder, Colorado, and I had to take my van into the auto mechanic. I was having trouble with the starter. And for people that have romanticized van life, this is something that you might not have thought about. Like, you have all this freedom. It's amazing. Life's great until you have car problems. And then you very quickly go from like 100 to zero because you lost your car, you lost your house, all your things are in your house van. And now that's in the shop. So... um, 
<laughs> it can kind of leave you stranded. Good point. I never <clears throat> thought of that. <laughs> right. Right. And I, uh, I had an interview scheduled that day and maybe I should have rescheduled it, but I decided to just go for it. So I carried my little duffel bag down the street to the Whole Foods and I recorded a two hour podcast sitting in the courtyard outside of this Whole Foods. And there was a lot of background noise, a lot of stuff going on, but I knew based on the skills that I've learned in Logic Pro and, you know, learning how to cut out background noises and things along those lines, I knew I'd be able to make it work and it turned out great. So wow. um, if you are the type of person who, who, and for people listening, you can check out the episode I did with Tom Herbert. I think it's episode 92 of The Nugget if you want to hear that one. So you can hear the sound quality. But yeah, if you're an audio geek like me and you're interested in learning about this stuff, um, I think that's one of the greatest investments I've made in myself is taking the time to research plugins and get really, really good at the sound production side because it just gives you so much freedom in your recording. Mm. What advice would you give to somebody like me who is not an audio geek, who has no experience you know, with audio production and therefore you know, has to pay? I've, I have to pay like a service to do processing for me. What, what, what advice would you say... To, to somebody like me, like is Logic Pro easy to use or or is it something you should just invest in and get really good at and practice a lot of, for a lot of hours? Like, like what, what advice would you give there? I don't know if I would advise you to change anything, honestly. I mean, if that sounds interesting to you and it sounds... Um, and if you'd enjoyed learning about that, then go for it. But I think you did a really smart thing. You know, like I've, t- I've talked with a couple other podcasters. I'm actually pr- producing someone else's podcast right now because they're like you, they just don't want to deal with it. They want to have the conversations. They want to hand it off to someone else and they want to just be able to forget about it because they, you know, they have all these other things going on. It's actually two women that host uh, another climbing podcast and they're both total badass climbers. They're both way stronger than me. And one of them's a professional coach. They're both professional climbers. And, you know, they just have a lot of other stuff going on. So for them, you know, handing it off to someone else is the right thing to do. And for you, I think if you're happy with, um, with the service that you're investing in, I mean, your podcast sounds great. You know, it sounds certainly good enough that no one's being distracted by the audio quality. And I think people listening, just find whatever you need to do to accomplish that. Um, you can do it all yourself. Absolutely. There's a lot of resources on the internet. You can learn everything you need to know about Logic Pro on YouTube. Um, if you have more questions, you can reach out to me and I'm happy to do a coaching call. Um, but if you don't want to learn all that stuff, you know, you can use Zencaster and you can, you can find one of these third-party groups or softwares that package everything for you and make it really easy. And I don't think there's anything wrong with that at all. Cool. Yeah, that's really great advice. Do you have any other um, advice that you would give somebody who is wanting to start a podcast? Mm. Now, I'm, now there's the five seconds of silence while I collect my <laughs> thoughts. <laughs> it's hard because there's so many different things, and it really depends on the person, you know. Um. I guess one more thing that comes to mind, I think one of the one of the the best decisions I made was to commit to a weekly schedule of putting out an episode every Monday. 
And it by no means has to be that schedule. But I think just deciding like what, what is the, the consistency with which you want to show up and do this thing and then sticking to it. I think there's a tremendous amount of value in that because so many people, I mean, there's this entire elephant's graveyard of podcasts, right? That have started, they do three episodes and then you never hear from them again. That's such a common story. And I think, you know, for me committing to just showing up every Monday and putting out a new episode. And I don't know if I had a set amount that I wanted to do, but I knew I was going to do at least half a dozen episodes. If you do that, you learn so much and you build so much momentum through that process you know, then you'll have an idea of whether or not you want to stick with it or not. You'll have an idea of whether or not you enjoy it or not. But it'd be really easy for me to go a month between episodes if I didn't have, if I hadn't created that arbitrary obligation for myself, you know? Yeah. And, and now people expect it. They expect a, an episode every Monday. And it got me really excited to think that, you know, when people start their work week and they have to go back to work, they have at least something to look forward to on Monday morning. And that keeps me, that keeps me, um, keeps me honest, you know, like I live on the road, I can climb full time now and I still work, you know, 20 to 40 hours a week because I want to show up every Monday for people. Mm. Uh, That's been really powerful for me. It's given me a lot of structure that I find really helpful. Um, it's, it's kind of that like Steven Pressfield idea of choosing to be a pro, you know, just show up and put the time in and do the work, even when you don't necessarily feel like it. Um, I think if you love what you do, you shouldn't feel like you're forcing it or like you have to do it. But you don't, you know, I don't always feel like editing an episode, you know, that can feel like quite a grind sometimes. But when it's all said and done, I feel really proud of that, that content that comes out every Monday morning. And I feel really I, I I do really love it. That's great. Yeah, it's like Pressville says. Like if if you're a writer and it's nine in the morning on a Tuesday, it doesn't matter whether it's raining or whether you want to or not. <laughs> like you're writing. That's what you do. I love that. Exactly. I love that. I, two of my favorite podcasts: the Forward by Lance Armstrong and uh, the Drive by Peter Atia. Um, mm. You know, I I love 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 the Forward podcast, but it's so inconsistent. He'll go months without mm. doing an episode, and I find that to be a little annoying where, you know, the drive comes out every Monday. And even if it's a shorter episode, I know on Monday there will be an episode there. And I really like and appreciate that. So I think that is really great advice and a really great way to close out this conversation. Where can people go to find you and find your podcast? Yeah, again, it's the Nugget Climbing Podcast. You can find it anywhere where you're listening to podcasts, including wherever you're listening to this one right now, likely on your podcast app. Just type in the Nugget. It'll pop right up. Uh, You can also go to thenuggetclimbing.com. I have all my episodes and my show notes over there, and you can learn a little bit more about me if you want to. And then I'm pretty active on Instagram. That's the main place where I show up every day and interact with people and answer questions from people and things along those lines. So that is at the nugget climbing on Instagram. So yeah, those are, those are the main places and new episodes every Monday. That's great. We will link to all of that um, in the show notes. Stephen Dimmitt, thank you so much. This was such a fun conversation. I've really been looking forward to this. And it, it is cool to talk to somebody who, again, just the most pure intentions of having a show and to watch it succeed and to, to watch you get your, you know, improve your craft over time has just been so cool. So thank you so much for all your work and for appearing on our show. 
Always a pleasure, Casey. Thanks for having me back. And uh, anytime, man, anytime you want to chat, I'm always up for it. Thank you for listening to the How to Make a Podcast podcast. If you enjoyed the episode, please leave us a rating and review on Apple. Also, be sure to check out the show that made all of this possible, Boundless Body Radio, where we provide tons of helpful and informative content, feature incredible guests, and talk all about health and wellness. Cheers, and thank you for joining us on the How to Make a Podcast podcast.